Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked the young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Matt O'Han with you on this Friday evening. That's right. I have returned. The Hebrew Hammer is back. Let's get some things out of the way first before I catch you up on where I've been. Uh, the Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group is a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. Driven to be different. We're also brought to you by La Bita TB Beer. Brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bita TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bita TB, embrace your true nature. Ah, yes, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, but, you know, Sammy and Agnello, they didn't tell me to mention this, but it is common sense. Uh, join us for a meet and greet tomorrow. This is tomorrow uh, to celebrate the start of the hockey season. La Bita TB, the Sick Podcast, and IGA Extra are proud to bring you chance to meet Tony Marinero and Matt O'Han. I'm not on the poster. Whatever, no big deal. Uh, uh, that is tomorrow at 2 p.m. Uh, in uh, DDO, right in my uh, right in my stomping grounds where I grew up. It's on uh, right next to Marche de l'Ouest. Um, 11800 Boulevard de Salomary. There you go. So uh, come meet Tony Marinero tomorrow and myself if you care about me. I know uh, some of you aren't too fond. It's okay. I'm, uh, I know a lot of people that aren't too fond. Experience the world-renowned poker experience with free food and drinks at their cash games table. A bad beat jackpot that is closing in on $1.5 million. Weekly promotions, daily tournaments, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else than Playground, located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. So, uh, where have I been? Okay, uh, last week, uh, well, two weeks ago, you know, I, I told you guys a couple weeks ago on the Sick Podcast that I would be just outside of Columbus, Ohio at a music festival. This is like a bucket list music festival for me. It's called Lost Lands, uh, put on by one of my favorite DJs, if not my favorite DJ, Excision. I know a lot of, a lot of you don't really care about this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Great, great four-day event. It really is a five-day event. I only went for four. Uh, just really an unbelievable four days. And uh, much to Tony Marinero's chagrin, I will be going to Boston uh, 
a few times this year to meet up with my friends that I went to this festival with because we're trying to keep the good times rolling. Uh, so sorry, Tony, you got a couple more Fridays coming your way. Uh, not in the near future. Don't worry. Uh, but at some point you will. Anyways, uh, so that's where I was weeks ago. Last week, um, it was my mom's birthday on Friday. So valid reason not to do the Friday show. There you go. That's where I was. Um, Let's talk hockey because uh, I don't want to talk football. Bad vibes in football. As you know, I'm a Bengals fan. It's not going great right now. So we're going to talk hockey uh, because that's where the good vibes are. Good vibes are with the Habs right now. Uh, who better to talk about the, you know, we're, we're right on the cusp of the regular season than with the Montreal Gazette's Stu Cowan. Stu, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Actually, Columbus, people are, friends of mine are surprised when I tell them that Columbus is one of my favorite NHL cities to visit. It's a really cool city. Is it really? Because I was, I, all I did there was I, I just landed in the airport and, you know, took the shuttle over to the festival that was about half an hour outside the city. Um, listen, I'm sure it's a nice city, but all I saw on the way to this festival was cornfields, cornfields <laughs> for days. So I was like, well, yeah, oh, I'm the arena district there is pretty cool, and the German village they have is a really cool. It's, a, it's sort of a mix between almost like NDG and Old Montreal. It's a really cool area. I always that, like going. Uh, fun spot. It's a fun that, city. And they got a wicked, they got a great AAA ballpark there too. The Cleveland Indians well, farm team plays there. Well, there you go. Uh, so it's it's interesting because you know I'm landing in you know Columbus, and my friends are like, "There's a like if you got time to kill between your flight and your shuttle to the festival." You know, they got they got a really cool diner and I'm like, that's a really tough sell. Just, uh, you know, that's like the must see. But uh, that's good to know. That's good to know. A yeah. uh, bit of a weird flight path to get there. Kind of annoying. I had to fly. Into yeah, Philadelphia. yeah, there's no direct flights. Yeah. Fly into Philadelphia and then four mm -hmm. hour layover in Philadelphia airport. And then, uh, you know, been there, done that many there. Times. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So, you know, the story. Um all right, let's let's talk hockey because uh, the preseason is ending tomorrow night for the Canadians. Um, you know, th this has been – it's funny because preseason has always been like a nightmare for Canadians fans because I, I think before this year, what, the Canadians has gone like two years or a year and a half without winning a preseason – two seasons without yeah. winning a preseason game, something like that. Yeah, they went 0-8 last year and they lost, what, their first three, I want to say, this year? Yeah, exactly. Then uh, things turned around, and hey, Toronto blew another three-one lead. You'll love to see it. It's great. Um, but 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 seriously speaking, I feel like this year more than last year because you know last year everyone was kind of expecting you know the Habs to be in the gutter, and then once the regular season started, they obviously proved that they're not. Uh, they weren't as bad as their record showed because of all the injuries, you know, by season's end. Mm -hmm. um, but this year, lots and lots of, I wouldn't say expectations, but hype because there's a lot of exciting young prospects. And, you know, you were talking earlier in the summer about, you know, the forward group and who mm -hmm. can make it there. But really, we were, we kind of didn't really shoo it aside, but we didn't focus on the defense. But that's really, where the Canadians have begun to shine in this preseason. They've got so much young talent on defense now. Um, I wrote a call in some hockey and said, oh, now just you know, going back, what a difference from six years ago when Victor Mete was the first defense pairing partner with Shea Weber. Remember those days? That, they just, they had, <laughs> oh that was their best option to play in, uh, in the top. And they got 
you know, they've got what is it, six, they got what, eight, what, three, two, four, six, seven, eight, eight or nine defensemen still in camp now. And the oldest one is, you know, David Savard's 32. And then the second oldest one is uh, Matheson at 29. And Kovacevic's 26. And all the other guys are like 21, 22, 23. Uh, Logan Mayu looked really good at training camp, played well against Toronto, sent him to Laval, which is the right decision. He hasn't played a lot of hockey the last couple of years. Uh, didn't play at all during the COVID year uh, three seasons ago. And then two seasons ago, he was suspended for the first half of the season. He only played uh, a handful of games and he didn't play that much last year. So that was the right decision. And then the surprise right now, of course, is Norlander still being around. You know, a few years ago, he was considered basically their top defense prospect or one of their top defense prospects. And he sort of fell off the map. Last year, they used 11 defensemen with all the injuries and he never got called up once. He must have been in Laval going, uh, hey, remember me? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but he's played really well at the training camp. Marty St. Louis said his compete level was much higher than it was last year. And he's still sticking around. He's one of those guys that's on the bubble now. It's sort of between Norlander, Barron, and Lindstrom as to who's going to be the seventh defenseman or maybe even squeak into the top six. You know, just because they're internal guys, and this is nothing against Lindstrom, you know, obviously he's had a, he's had a pretty good camp himself. But, like, I feel like, they're going to be giving in the last uh, in the last game, like and practices and whatnot. They're going to be giving Baron and Nor more so Norlander, I would think, just every opportunity because he was drafted by this organization. Like they really want those types of guys, even if it's not the same era, we'll call it mm -hmm. or regime. Yeah, they really want those guys to succeed because they want them. They want homegrown and build that culture. And I feel like they're going to give Norlander every chance he, he can get to really prove himself that he, he he's going to be this year's Arbor Jack guy, that he's going to force his way into the lineup. And that's really, really encouraging to see, especially because I don't want to call him an offensive dynamo, but excuse me. But he showed that he has a lot of offensive talent in uh, when he was playing in Sweden like you said, fell off the map a little bit last year in Laval, and now he's back and he showed that offensive prowess in the preseason. Yeah, and well, Justin Barron is more Kent Hughes' guy than Norlander. I mean, you traded Leckin right. for yeah. Justin Barron, uh, former first-round pick with Colorado. They gave Barron every opportunity to make the team last season, played him in almost every preseason game, if not every preseason game, and he just didn't look good. And Jack, I beat him out for the job, and he hasn't looked great again this year. Here's a guy, they, they, they'd like to see him in the lineup for what they gave up for him. Um, but he is only 21 years old. Um, so, you know, sending him back isn't the end of the world. They sent him back to Laval for some more seasoning. Uh, but Norlander's been better than him uh, during training camp. And the Canadians seem to reward guys who, who perform. And that, that's why he's still around. So it's really going to be interesting to see uh, who ends up in Laval, how the breakdown for the final roster goes. Um, now they keep seven. Do they keep maybe eight defense or, or what they're going to do? I think it'll be seven. Um, but it's going to be interesting. At this point, I think Lindstrom's ahead of, uh, uh, sorry, um, Norlander's ahead of Barron, and Lindstrom's mm -hmm. probably ahead of him too. So it's it's really going to be interesting to see. They're going to have some tough decisions to make, but as Marty St. Louis often says, it's good to have tough decisions to make. When I mean, you think mm -hmm. back to the tough decision six years ago was putting Victor Mete on the top defense pairing with uh, Shea Weber. Well, well, there you go. And that, you know, like that's like the biggest difference when you frame it, you know, because a lot of people could just look from the outside and or even from the inside and say, oh, look, these are the guys at the bottom of our lineup, you know, well, 
they're they're making tough they're competing and making tough decisions. Kind of felt like Victor Mete was just thrusted in there. Yeah, they, they like, basically he, just, he, they wanted this, to, they wanted to separate Weber and Petrie, so they have two you know top guys in the top two pairings. Then it was well, who who do we put with them? And they had that Jordy Ben back then. They had Mark Streit, uh, Carl Alsner. Yeah. You know, that was your, that was your defense. The team, team finished twenty eighth that season for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I remember when they signed Mark Strait. It was like, you lost Alex Radulov. What do you bring in? You bring in Alex Semin and Mark Strait. That'll yeah. and oh, they also. I think I feel like Mark Strait. He was the year before when they lost. Uh, they lost Markov, right? Am I wrong? Am I right there? Mm-hmm. I yeah, think that's so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so. it's, it's, but I mean, you go from then to now, and it's just with all these, and they're all young. Like I said, so if Justin Barron doesn't make the team this year, he starts in Laval. It's not the end of the world again because he's only 21 years old. You forget sometimes how young these guys are. Um, he seems to be maybe the pressure of, of trying to make the team. He looked pretty good when he came up at the end of last season. He played well. But this preseason, he sort of looked like he did last preseason. He's sort of been nervous and tentative on the ice. He hasn't really been that physical. Uh, and you compare that with the way Jack I played last year at training camp. He was hitting everything that moved. He's like they, they had to. They had to give him a spot. He just did so much starting from the rookie camp, evaluation camp, training camp, all the way through. He, he earned a spot on the team. Yeah. And, and you know, there's something to be said, you know, when it comes to Baron, like you said, uh, you said before, he's only 21. So yeah. that's the first thing. That's very, very young for a defenseman. And the, the other thing is there's something to be said about being I know it's like you got to get up for camp because this is your chance to crack the roster, but it's still an 82 game season and a lot of things mm-hmm. can change day, day to day, week to oh, week. Yeah. Um, and there's something to be said about just being a slow starter. Like maybe yeah. he gets better. He needs real game action, like games that matter, regular season seasoning that matters to get him up to speed. Like that's just like, it's just the nature of the beast sometimes, you know, like I don't, I don't want to mention it, but I'm going to because it's going to make me sad. But like the Bengals every year, that's the story of like this year aside because their quarterback is injured, but they're known to be slow starters. Last year mm-hmm. started 0-2. Then they uh, went all the way to, I think, 4-4, four and four, won 12 games in a row or eight no. games in a row. You know, so some some players, teams, they could be slow starters. So I feel like there's also just not a concern level with Canadians fans and the Canadians with Justin Barron. No, I, I mean, as mentioned, the young defenseman before, I don't think I even mentioned David Reinbacker who was sent back. to Well, there you go. Lane, Lane Hudson who's playing again in NCAA hockey. I mean, they have so many. Uh, Jaden Struble is going to be in, in uh, Laval too, a second round pick. So they got, they just have so much, so many guys, but there's pressures, the internal pressure on these guys. And maybe, mm-hmm. Baron felt that maybe he felt that last year. So last year they they really wanted him to make the roster last year, and again this season, maybe less so. This season they have more other options, um, but again, I mean, you know, if you have Baron and you have uh, Logan Mayu playing in Laval, and even if Norlander, that's the Laval's gonna be a lot of fun to watch this season with all the players they're gonna, they're gonna have down there. But you know, the thing who's gonna be the seventh defenseman? Like Weidman was signed here. Because he's the perfect seventh defenseman, right? If he doesn't play ten games, mm-hmm. you know, he never complains. You can sit him there, you can throw him in him, and you need him. He's a great guy in the room. The players all love him. But I think what we'll see is maybe a rotation uh, between some of these young guys, depending on who the defensemen are, with maybe like a Jordan Harris and a Norlander or a Lindstrom or whatever the guys that are there, sort of rotating in. And we saw that a little bit last year with Marty St. Louis, where guys would sit out a game and and, and rotate. And that's not a bad thing when you consider. Uh, the grind of an 82 game season and Marty St. Louis also said he said you know don't be surprised that Logan he wouldn't be so he said don't bet against Logan Mayu 
not playing in the NHL this season. The injury is going to happen, and the kids showed that he's a good player. So, um, you know, if or when there's injuries, and they call up a defenseman, Logan Mayo might be the first guy getting called up. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, two weeks ago, we did, I, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't on, so I never got to talk about, you know, the, the, the red-white game or the, the first few games of preseason or even the beginning, beginning when they were holding scrimmages at camp. And I just remember seeing people on Twitter just absolutely hammering Mayu being like, this guy's not good. He's not good. We knew it. But like, it's like we keep saying, keep the perspective. He's still a young defenseman and he didn't play for the better part of two years, you know, yeah. or competitive. Yeah, and, and I sort of, I chuckle when you, the, the scrimmages uh, early in training camp when people are breaking down guys' plays and that. And it's a different. <laughs> It's a scrimmage. Some guys haven't been on the ice for a while. Some guys have. Some guys, you know, the pro, the veteran guys are just sort of you know, shaking the rust off, as one of them said. It's not a, it's not a time when you're really going to evaluate guys. I mean, Saturday, tomorrow night's game in Ottawa will be a good evaluation. The last game of the preseason, yeah. the most important one. That's when, you know, we spoke last year that went zero eight in the preseason. I don't put much emphasis or any emphasis on preseason results. You know, coaches are playing different guys who aren't going to play with each other. They're playing guys who are never going to play in the NHL. The results really mean nothing. But the last. You know, going into the season 0-8 in the preseason doesn't help, obviously, for the team yeah. uh, morale. But to- we oh, – you're back. There you go. We Hold on, Stu. We don't have your audio. Um, so just uh, give us a second here. Um, hey, these things happen. Live podcast. Oh, I think I got something. You got it there? Yeah, we got you. Okay, sorry, somebody called me on my... Yeah, no problem. (laughs) No problem. So uh, just go ahead, continue what you were saying uh, about, uh, you know, preseason, not putting much much emphasis on, you know, losing eight games. Yeah, I mean, guys are playing with different... And tomorrow night, I think we'll see probably the lines that we're going to see, the forward lines that we'll likely see for the start of the regular season, maybe with the exception of the fourth line. Might have a couple of guys on there battling to see uh, who gets the spots. The defense pairings will be interesting. Um, but we'll get a better look at what this team is going to look like when they open the season Wednesday night in Toronto. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, the Canadians, I don't want to say they own Toronto, but they give that team a lot of problems. Like a so lot does Josh Anderson. Problems. Josh Anderson. Yeah, oh, my God. Josh Anderson is like the freaking boogeyman to Toronto. Yeah. Like, my God. Um, yeah. So it's just like that. that's going to be very, very exciting because – Frankly, Toronto, I, I don't care if Dubas is gone. Um, they're starting the season in a in a damn pretty hot pressure cooker. Like, my yeah. God, are they – is the pressure on in Toronto? Like, the Blue Jays got, just got their asses kicked in the playoffs. Um, now, Toronto is – Toronto, everyone's like, oh, same old story, whatever. But, like, now they have a new GM. But Sheldon Keefe is still there. That is – I'm well, excited to see that game because the Canadians could really play loosely and Toronto, they might, you know, one mistake if they're already down one, nothing in the first period, first five minutes, uh, you 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 start to clench your behind a little bit. Yeah. I wonder how much of Sheldon Keefe still being there has to do with Austin Matthews basically saying, I'll resign here, but I want this guy as the coach. Like I, I really wonder how much that played into that role because uh, you know the, the playoff record speaks for itself, and he just hasn't been able to get this team over the over the hump in the playoffs. And you say the pressure is on. I mean, Toronto's 
got such a powerful offensive team. It's hard to imagine them not making the playoffs. And the regular season has basically become meaningless for that team at this point. It's where, what are they going to yeah. do in the playoffs? Uh, you know, they won one round last year, and that's, you know, first round they've won, I can't even remember how many years. So for Toronto, it's all it's all about what they're going to be able to do in the playoffs. And, you know, they you look at what they did in the offseason, you know, Simmons left and they, they brought in Ryan Reeves. You know, and it's, it's like there's still it's a new GM, but it's still – you know, Brandon, Brandon Shanahan is still there. You wonder how much he's still sort of calling shots and how much that has to do with Dubas leaving as they saw things differently. But, um, you know, to bring in a guy like Ryan Reeves, okay, they want to be tougher, but can you even play Ryan Reeves in the playoffs? They didn't play Simmons in the playoffs. Like you're playing a man short almost when you put that guy on the ice in, in a playoff game. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what Toronto does. They're still counting on those core four guys that in the playoffs, when the going gets tough, they just haven't come through. Um, so as you say, you know, the pressure, pressure on Toronto a bit to start the season, um, but more so in the playoffs and for Canadians fans, wouldn't it be great if they started the season by knocking off the Leafs in Toronto? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, there's really, there's really like, even as a, cause I know, cause I know like you guys, you guys in the media, like you can't cheer for the Canadians, but your job is always more fun when they do better. Yeah. Yeah. People that's always, always, yeah like, I honestly don't, the only the only like you know, I know you're a Bengals fan. Like I don't, I don't. There's no team I cheer for. I don't have a favorite team in any mm. sport. I cover the Canes, and yeah, it's more, it, it's more fun covering a team when they're winning. It's fun covering a team in the playoffs. The players are in a better mood when they're winning, and easier to deal with them when they're losing. Um, but yeah, for the Canes, the thing that I found last season, I think we'll have the same thing this season, is that they were fun to watch. I mean, uh, before under Dominic Ducharme, there was nights in the press box and be saying to guys, "Oh my God, thank God we're getting paid to watch this. Like this is <laughs> this is hard. this is brutal. It's like watching paint dry, you know." And, it's, yeah. and you run out of you run out of how many different ways can you ask guys after the game? Why do you guys suck? You know, it's like you, know, <laughs> you start start getting creative in how you're asking questions. But the thing with this uh, this team now, they're young. I think they're gonna be fun to watch. They're gonna play a, a fast, um, skilled uh, brand of hockey. Uh, I don't think they're at the level yet where they're, you know, they're going to be, there's going to be some growing pains in defense. And, you know, the sophomore jinx is a true thing in sports. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys going into the second year, one or two of the guys are probably going to struggle because of that. Uh, the goaltending with uh, Allen and Montable, two guys are not really, they only have a number one guy and they have two guys that have injury problems in the past. Uh, you know, if they have a healthy carry price in goal behind the young defense, maybe this team could squeak into the playoffs, but uh, you know, they need goals, power plays, they got to fix the power play. That's like to mm -hmm. me the number one thing they got to fix going into the season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. The Canadians fans will enjoy it. You know, speaking of the power play and of defense, just as a as a whole note, um, the power play like now you have guys that are showing that not only through camp but like you have they have the coaches' confidence. Norlander, Mayu, uh, you know, that's just to name two of them. And then, you know, these guys, and then you have Matheson, hopefully healthy for the majority of the season, if not the full season. These are offensive defensemen that mm -hmm. can step in and hopefully be that internal solution finally to the power play. Because really, you know, Ma Maxime Lapierre was on with Tony earlier in the week and he said it's not Alex Burrow's fault. And like, to a certain degree, I, I kind of agree with him because, like, you know, Jordan Harris is a great skater. He got a, a couple a couple power play shifts near the end of the season last year. But at the same time, like, he's a great skater. 
something to be desired when it comes to shooting the puck. Yeah, he doesn't and, have a heart. And you need that. You need that yeah. as a power play. You can't just as a power play quarterback. You can't just be first pass guy because yeah. you you don't add an, another element to it because the teams know. All right, he's not going to shoot the puck. Yeah. So I mean, he's it's basically four on four then. Yeah, I mean the future of the Habs power play. Lane Hudson could be a key guy with that. Yeah. Morgan Mayu's got a wicked shot, and uh, Mike Matheson. You know, he won the hardest shot competition at the Habs skill competition last year. It was over 100 miles an hour. He's got a good shot too. But you're right. I mean. Jordan Harris is great moving the puck, great skater, but he doesn't have a shot. Uh, it goes back, we talked about Victor Mete earlier. I remember Mete didn't have a shot, uh, uh, which hurt them also. But um, they, yeah, they've got, I mean, the power play, they got to find, with the, they have enough talent here yeah. that they should, you know, maybe not be the best power play in the league, but they've got to be like somewhere around the middle anyway. And, and Better than you know, 28. Yeah, better than 28. Better than you know? 28. I mean, I go back and, you know, this. I go back to, you know, when Guy Carbonell was head coach here, they had the number one power play in the NHL, I believe, two years in a row. Um, mm-hmm. He was doing something right back then. Uh, yep. so it's, it's, but, but that's one of the things I think they really, really need to fix this season. It's been, like, it's been, what, six years? Since Andre Markov left, basically, the power yep. play was horrible. Well, that's – and that's the thing because, like, you know, we talk so much about, like, like, listen, I'm on the same page as you. I don't think the Canadians make it to the playoffs. I don't think they squeak in. Can they make a little bit of a push, you know, be Mm. that, you know, thorn in the side of teams? Of course they can. Um, But, you know, just if you add, let's just say 20 power play goals to the, to the goal total this season, Mm -hmm. you know, or last season, how many of those games do they win? If you just add 20, you know, over the season, you're probably winning, Maybe five more games, pushing yeah. a couple to overtime. That's more points in the standing. So, like, the power play could be a key to the Canadians' development even. As as players, you know, you want to see development this year? Let's get that power play moving because these players need to learn how to play that play that role. Yeah, and Cole Caulfield missing a good chunk at the end of the season. Obviously, yeah. didn't, it didn't help their power play either. But, you know, to say Matheson is a, is a point guy, uh, something, but, they, you know, with Suzuki and – uh, Josh Anderson, and they got they got guys that can shoot the puck. They got guys willing to stand in front of the net. You know, Rafael Harvey Pinard will stand in front of the net and be a pain mm-hmm. in the butt for the goalie and whack in rebounds if they're there. It's uh, uh, they've got enough style. You know, Sean Monahan's such a smart guy. You can use him on the power play too. They have they have you know they don't have elite talent for the power play. You know, they have an elite shooter in Cole Caulfield, but yeah. they don't have elite talent. But they have enough talent that the power play it has to be better than it's been. And you know this, and they got to get a little bit more creative. I mean, everybody in the world knows they're going to drop the puck to Nick Suzuki at the red line, and he's going to carry in. They do it every time. It's it's there's got to yeah. be some variation to to what they're doing. Yeah, it's just uh, don't regress back to the ju- to, to the dump and chase on the power play. You yeah. know, okay, <laughs> find find the more creative yeah. way and just. But there's got to be just different the... zone entries that apart yeah, from just yeah, constantly this up back pass. I mean, oh, every team in the league does that drop back thing, but it's. It's like you're watching. Here it comes. Here comes the drop pass. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's more the, the you know really just the frustrating part about that about that zone entry is like if it doesn't work and like they they just shoot the they're just gonna do it right again like they're just yeah. gonna do the same yeah, yeah, thing. Do the same, over same, over you know it's coming. I mean, sitting in the yeah. press box. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just just to close out the last thing on the defense before we move on to the forwards is that this is like. Just for on the on the the note of this being an abundance of defense, this is exactly what we thought would happen. Like this is what we were talking about last season, beginning of the year, or 
you know, in the off the Kent Hughes first off season or whatever was, you know, this is going to happen They're They have an abundance of defense. Some will hit some won't. They're going to trade some assets. There's just too yeah. many guys in the room. That's just with, what's going to happen. And we're, and we're watching it play out right now. That's just what's happening. And, uh, you know, we've the competition this year. I mean, wait, no, next year you'll throw in Reinbacker in the, into there. You're going to Logan May will be back. And maybe Lane Hudson will be in there. Maybe Lane Hudson uh, leaves university. I don't know if it'd be, he's a guy I can, I think staying in university longer, he's got to get bigger and stronger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It won't hurt him. But I mean, there's going to be so many. I'm, that's This is what a rebuild is. This is the definition of a rebuild. You stockpile as much young talent as you can. And you develop them, and then you have them battle it out. And the ones that you don't have a spot for, you can trade them. I mean, at some point, they'll move David Savard. He's a key part as the sort of veteran leader of these guys. But at some point, you'll be able to move him, and he'd be a valuable asset for a playoff team at a trade deadline. So that's what Ken Hughes has done. He's just continued stockpiling uh, young talent and draft picks. And you know, 11 picks next year's draft, 11 picks the year after that. Uh, you can use those picks in trades also. Um, it's a definition of what a rebuild is, is what we're seeing with the Canadians right now, having all these young, talented guys uh, fighting for positions. And it's only get more difficult for them moving forward. And having those difficult decisions is a good thing for a coach and a GM to have. Yeah, and for the fans out there that, like, you know, they might be freaking out a little bit about the Justin Marin, uh, you know, every year it's the same story at camp. You can't yeah. crack the roster or whatnot. Is no problem because if someone else could do it, He's going to be pushed out the way and, yeah. you know, then he becomes that young asset like uh, like Alex Newhook was in uh, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, exactly. Sorry, right. you're just, you got a good just, talent. You're good talent. You, we just don't have space for you. We just don't have a spot for you. We don't have a spot for you. Exactly. That's exactly the case with Alex Newhook. He was just he was a young player on an experienced veteran team with a lot of talent ahead of him in the roster. And that'd be the case, let's say, like with even the Norlander. If Nolander doesn't make the Canadians, he can't crack in. There's probably other teams. They're also, you know, showcasing him for other teams even and playing him in these preseason games, right? If they do decide that they want to make a move or they want to deal a guy and he's just a, become sort of a, the, the odd man out for them as far as uh, their young defense core grows. So let's, uh, let's, let's move on to the offense now um, because there, there were some good headlines that Canadians fans would eat up, were eating up, uh, yesterday, today, and that's uh, what what Cole Caulfield said about being a hab and and like what that meant to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for you know, for for guys like you and me, we're not obviously habs, but like growing up in the city, we know what the Canadians mean to the city. So yep. we don't know the level that Cole Caulfield knows because he is a Canadian, yeah. but you know, but we know what this team means to the city. You know, we can go out you, for dinner without getting stopped every two seconds there for an autograph or a photo or anything like that. <laughs> when I got it was when the Canadians played in the Stanley Cup finals and I, I was at the game that they won. And like I understood the history at that moment. Mm-hmm. That was my aha moment because always, you know, whenever they did the pass the torch thing, I'm like, all right, let's, it's enough of the past. Let's look to the yeah. future. You're harping too much. But then I got it at that moment. Yeah. And you lived those years where it was Stanley Cup yeah. every year, just yeah. Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup after Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, for him to say that at such a young age, it's like, there's such a level of maturity that that takes 
for someone to go out there and say it because it's like it's one thing, oh, I'm super excited to be a Montreal Canadian, you know, when they get drafted, whatever. But like he's one of the very few guys in the Mark Bergevin era that like showed it. You know, Mm -hmm. he he shows he wants to be here. He knows what it means. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's not exactly a veteran leader, but guys in the room look up to him because of the talent that he holds. And the work ethic. And and just like Nick Suzuki and like when these guys are displaying that, that's their way of getting it. And and I love seeing that Cole Caulfield, you know, he didn't grow up near an NHL city. So he he just had a lot of talent, grew up in a hockey town, hockey state. And now he, it just, it means the world to him. And that's great to see. Well, with him and with Gallagher, I mean, I, I remember back uh, when they named Shea Weber captain. I mean, I recall at the time saying, I thought Brendan Gallagher should have been the captain. Um, Gallagher gets what it means to be a Montreal Canadian. He gets what the team means to the city. He understands it. I don't think Shea Weber ever totally understood that or ever really grasped that. Like being captain of the Canes is a lot more than just what you do in the locker room and on the ice. Nick Suzuki gets that. And I think if it wasn't, I think the main reason, or one of the big reasons they named Suzuki captain instead of uh, instead of Gallagher, is that with Gallagher's contract, you know, Hughes would probably like to move him or trade him if he can for assets at the age he's at. You don't want to name a guy captain and then trade him a year yeah. later. I mean, Nick Suzuki's the future of this team as far as a leader. So I understand why they made Nick Suzuki the captain uh, instead of Brendan Gallagher. But I mean, Brendan Gallagher to me epitomizes in many ways what a, a captain of the Kings would mean. The, the effort. I mean. I'm wondering if he can bounce back this season uh, to be maybe a 20-goal scorer. Preseason, he hasn't looked great. But again, preseason, I don't really judge veteran guys. The guy's been not – the injuries he's been through and everything, you're probably not going – although I shouldn't – Gary Gallagher always goes 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, little less. I think he's maybe thinking more about not getting hurt and whatnot, especially during the preseason. Yeah. Uh, but he gets what it means to be a Canadian. And I, and I think that's rubbed off a little bit. Of that is rubbed off on – uh, Suzuki and and Caulfield and a younger group of guys who want to be here. They enjoy being with the Canadians. All these young guys, it, it, it's fun. Like Caulfield enjoys the spotlight. He enjoys and they say for a kid who grew up in Wisconsin, he's not used to it. It's not like he was a, a you know a college football star in Wisconsin where yeah. he would have had all that attention. The hockey team, you know, walk around the campus in Wisconsin, probably uh, don't even know who you are. But he's handled it really well. Uh, and as you say, it's it's a young guy also who understands what the Canadians mean to the city. And Nick Suzuki, I think, has learned more about what this team means to the city by living here the last two summers and going to some of the events and going to concerts and seeing fans in the summer and realizing that 12 months a year, this city talks about the Canadians. You know, it never stops. You know, podcast, this podcast talks about the Canadians 12 months a year. There's never, the Habs fans cannot get enough of this team. And it's good when you see guys like uh, Gallagher and uh, the younger guys coming along who understand that, understand what the team means, and understand the passion. I might have told you a story. You were talking about you know, the younger fans uh, during the Stanley Cup final when the Habs were in it. And you're right. You know, as I've told you many times, you know, my five years in high school, the Canadians won four Stanley Cups. Uh, but I remember sitting having uh, dinner before going down to the Bell Center on a terrace, and there's some older Habs fans at one table and some younger Habs fans at another table. And one of the younger Habs fans were talking, and one of them said, well, what, what street did they used to have the parade on when they used to win? And I, I almost burst out laughing out loud. One of the older guys chuckled. It used to go down St. Catherine Street, the usual route. So it just shows you how much from a younger generation, older guys like me, you still remember what it was like for a Stanley Cup and a younger generation. Like, you don't, and that was the closest taste. I mean, when they won that game on St. John Baptiste Day, uh, I think it was Lekkinen who scored the winner, right? Yeah. I mean, not the yeah. city, and that was during COVID. 
like that was that was you know that and you look where the city just exploded so imagine that if the Canes were to do that again uh without the lockdowns and with i mean the city would just go insane well i you know you mentioned that goal it just brings back it, it's great memories because yeah. like it's like especially given the context of mm-hmm. being in covid like this city needed that um this well a few especially. of the players went up on the roof of the bell center afterwards to watch the celebration outside. Yeah. just they, they couldn't believe i mean some of these younger guys they, they haven't seen it either the guys who play here you know none of them were born mm-hmm. when the canadians last won the stanley cup it's like the, to see the city just explode like that it was it was really something for them to see also it, it, and I, it's funny because I, re, I remember that day for many reasons. One, uh, I, I not a very exciting story of where I was watching. I was watching in bed because I had work early in the morning yeah. the next day. But like, uh, it's just like they scored and like I blacked out, you know, like yeah. I literally blacked out and then I couldn't sleep that night. And I pull into my uh, pull into my parking spot at CJAD at uh, what was it? Four in the morning to prep for the morning show. And it's like. I remember Ken Connors looking at me and he goes, you sleep much last night? I go, <laughs> not a wink. I couldn't sleep. I, it's, it's just crazy. And then he's like, now you know how it feels. You, I don't you know how morning radio guys do it, especially sports morning radio guys when you got to watch the game the night before and know what you're talking well, about. Well, that too. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah. I remember the, that one time, just funny on as a side, uh, there was – I was an intern for the morning show and the Canadians had played like uh, Arizona or somewhere where it was a 10 o'clock West Coast game. And like I'm like the only one well rested between me, Sean Starr, Connor, and uh, and Rick Moffat. I'm the only well rested one. And they 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 throw to me in the segment for it was like one of the first times they'd ever done that. I wasn't expecting it. And they asked me something about the game, and then I'm like, I'll be honest with you guys, I went to bed. <laughs> and they st- they started laughing at me. And they're like, Oh, Canadians are down to nothing, no chance to come back. You go to bed. But then uh Martin LeMay, he actually taught me a great trick when I was for my radio days, which is record Canadian Express. Exactly. Just go to bed, go to bed yeah. early, and then just wake up an hour earlier before you leave to work. Have it on while you while you uh, make yeah. the coffee and you know get yourself awake. Yeah, smart yeah. advice. Smart <laughs> advice. But yeah, that that Lekanen goal, man. That's uh, those were that was you know for my generation. That's good times. And it was such a weird wow. time. I remember being in the Bell Center. It was empty, or there was I can't was it five thousand fans? I think it was three thousand. Three thousand. It was just you know, and then uh, I remember the you know the bubble playoffs in Toronto with nobody in the stands. It was such yeah. a weird time. It, it's. Uh, uh, but again, for the Canes, of all the years to go to the, you know, talk about sort of bad luck. Of all the years to go to the Stanley Cup final, they go to the Stanley Cup final and there's no fans allowed. And then of all the years to win the number one overall draft pick, they win it the year before Connor Bernard's. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny about the, you talk about the capacity because like, I remember for the Stanley Cup final, they were say they said it was like, it was at 50%, I think. Like that's what was allowed at the time. Yeah. Like I was, I was in that building in Game Four. There's no way it was fifty percent. Like there was, yeah. I'm, I'm saying there's no way it must have been sixty. Like just enough that it wouldn't be like, huh? Like from TV, yeah. like you know, you're looking on TV. Yeah. No well, the money. Not that. Not that you feel sorry for the Canes financially, but I mean the money they lost, or they could have extra money they could have gained during that run with uh, with tickets. Oh, I remember yeah. being in Toronto in the bubble playoffs, and they were pumping in crowd noise. Oh my god! Yeah. Their, first hearing they were going to do it. That's weird. But then, they actually whoever did it, they did a good job because it and for the players too. Like just to like play in an empty, silent arena yeah. in the playoffs. 
would have been so weird. But whoever was controlling the, the fake crowd noise in the arena, they did actually a pretty good job. It was it was that it came cool. it came through it came through yeah. on TV like really well. I remember yeah. and like it's funny. I remember when that was like a big storyline, and I'm like. When, when throughout the whole season, when it's like, ah, oh, they're not going to be able to, you know, home ice doesn't mean anything and all this stuff about the crowd. And I'm just like, these guys have played in front of nobody. They were once peewee and novice yeah. players pl- pulling up to the rink at 6 a.m. And the only people that are in the arena are there are half asleep moms and dads, yeah. Yeah. you know? They but know I, think what a lot, like. I think a lot of the fake noise was too, part of it was for the players and I, even more so for fans at home watching on TV. They just sort of feel yeah. like some kind of a vibe there at least. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last thing before, uh, before I get you out of here uh, uh, is – uh, one guy that we didn't talk about who we have to because he's also had a really, really good camp, Kirby Doc. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. The, it's Harry like – it's, yeah. it, it's really like – like I remember last year I there was a game. I've mentioned it before with you that there was a game that I was like, he, he's here. And then he got injured. Yeah. Like I think there's another explosion coming. Like yeah, really – we saw we saw why this guy was drafted third overall. He's playing with so much confidence. I mean, third overall pick, captain of the World Junior Team, Canadian team. Uh, the skills there didn't work out in Chicago, but uh, I keep thinking back to that video on draft day when they traded for him and Kent Hughes on the phone uh, with Kirby Doc saying, you're going to love our coach, and that's exactly what's happened. He's worked with Kirby. He's really he's, – he's, he's so smart, and Marty St. Louis loves smart hockey players. And I think he's teaching Kirby Doc um, how to use his hockey IQ even more. So he's got the size, he's got the range. You can't get the puck off him when he wants to keep it. Uh, his great vision, uh, his faceoffs still need work, um, but he's just—I uh, mean, he—he's going to become, I think, a dominant centerman. He's—I mean, you yeah. think with Suzuki and him down the middle, those are your top two centermen. That's, that's not bad moving forward. And um, he's also able to make the guys around him a little bit better. There's a way he can hang on to the puck and slow the game down a little bit. Similar to what Sean Monaghan does. He's like a younger version in many ways of Sean Monaghan. So he can control the pace of play, make his line mates better. Um, and, yeah, he's he's really, really played well. And it's going to be interesting to see how, if he can stay healthy like everybody on this team. <laughs> you can say that about almost. Yeah. Uh, just how much more – uh, he can progress this season. I think he's what he's 22 now, if I'm not mistaken, or 21, 22. Yeah. They're all they're so young, yeah. these guys. You forget how young they are. Um, but yeah, I think Marty St. Louis was he needed a change of scenery out of Chicago, and he Marty St. Louis was the perfect coach for him, uh, at this stage of his career. And and not only him, you look at you look at how Josh Anderson's game has changed since Marty St. Louis took over. I mean, Anderson's guy just go up and down the wing 100 miles an hour, right? Go to the net. Um, Marty's got him to. I remember Marty talking last year, saying that he's taught him that you don't need to go 100 miles an hour all the time. In fact, it's it's good when you don't, and you can change pace and yeah. change speed and find open spots. How we're seeing that. I mean, the goal he scored against Toronto to tie it up. He found open ice in front of the net, and he's got a wicked shot. He can get it away. Quick. Oh yeah. So just guys like that. I mean, McCain's. It's all about development. They're banking on all these young talent, like we mentioned before, and they're banking on Marty Saint Louis being able to get the best out of them. That's that's their plan for this rebuild, and it's a smart plan. And Kirby Doc is one of the poster boys for just how this could work. And Cole Caulfield, you know, different players. So after Marty mm-hmm. St. Louis came in, uh, it was at 48 goals in 83 games with Marty St. Louis as a coach. So that's that's what this team is built around. Now they're hoping 
The same with Newark. They can have the same impact on Newark. Not that Newark wasn't good in Colorado. He just he was a not you know third line player. He had averaging not too. Much. I mean, he's going to get a ton of ice time this year. He's looked really good at training camp too. I mean, when they had him on a line with Anderson and uh, Slavkovsky uh, during the script, they looked really good. Him and Anderson really had a, a connection together. Um, that's a line I wouldn't be surprised to see to start the season is new hook between uh, Anderson and Slavkovsky. The Canadians want to do everything they can to make Slavkovsky successful this season. Marty St. Louis talked about he wants to get him more ice time, wants to get him more touches with the puck, and playing with those two guys would be a good way to do that. Yeah, I, I just really excited to see a player like Kirby Doc because, like, you just – the potential is, like – it's not only, like, one of those guys where it's, like, they drafted him or traded for him and it's, like, oh, but he could be the – it's mm-hmm. – we're, we're seeing more than oh, yeah. just flashes of – of excellence from him we're really seeing like sustained good play and you're seeing like he still has more to he still has more to give in his game it's just really unbelievable one thing that got me really excited um was just and and it's hard not to when you're watching like a young star like this or a young talent like this i should say is like you know you see people on 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 twitter that aren't habs guys and, and comparing him to like players like Ryan Getzlaff, like mm-hmm. how much were the Canadians starving for a Ryan Getzlaff in the Mark yeah. Bergevin era? Like yeah. it, it, it's, it's really just very, very exciting to see. Well, and you look down the middle, I mean, you know, Mark Bergevin was talking about how hard it was to get centerman. You look down oh, the yeah. middle, Suzuki, you got Newark, you got Doc, you got Monaghan who can play center if you need. You got mm-hmm. Jake Evans with your fourth line center. I mean, they're, they're, they're set. And the thing is, their centermen can also play the wings. Oh, Monaghan and Newark and Doc can all play center, can all play wing, and they can move them around. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see who they end up putting uh, with Suzuki and Caulfield. If it was me, I'd st- I think I'd start the season with Monaghan with them. Um, it helps Suzuki. Suzuki's faceoffs are still coming along, and it gives them the opportunity to both of them be taking faceoffs on their strong side all the time. And I think Monaghan has the hockey IQ to play with these two guys, the defensive responsibility also. Um, but Marty St. Louis got a lot of uh, you know, a lot of tough decisions to make, uh, as we mentioned with the defense, and a lot of fun decisions to make. I mean, it'd be, yeah. it must be fun, like, trying to – how are we going to set up these forward lines, though? Who's, how are we going to do this? And, uh, I mean, as, as they always do during the season, they'll change and rotate as the season goes on. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what the, the forward lines are for opening night Wednesday in Toronto. And, you know, the, I, I – I like that you said these are fun decisions because, you know, if if the Canadians were trying to make the playoffs, like, obviously they want to win as many games as they can. But, mm-hmm. like, we we, know, we all know the playoffs is not the goal. They set it out right. Um, so that turns tough decisions into fun decisions because mm-hmm. they're, with you got the talent. You got a lot of talent. Now you could try different things, and like if it doesn't work out, all right, no problem. We'll just try it out. To try something else out. Maybe that'll mesh. Yep. And you know, and it's not just like you know we talk about Guy Carbono when he was the coach near the end. You know, it kind of felt like when he was building lines, it was just like close your eyes, throw a dart. Okay, that guy's on the first line. Um, this is like there's a bunch of guys that you could say you could conceivably see like. Okay, Kirby Doc added X to the to Suzuki and Caulfield duo. Let's see what Alex Newhook could add. Yeah. Like, what if he could add X, Y, and Z? Well, you know, I mean, you can, they, they, they have those options now. You got Monahan, you could put in that spot. You got Newhook, you could put in that spot. You got Anderson, you could put in that spot. You got Doc, you could. I mean, they got 
a whole bunch of different guys they can put into that spot to bring different mm -hmm. things and so it's a it's a nice nice thing for marty st louis to have and he can rotate guys in and out with those two guys i mean you know scotty bowman was a big guy he was more about duos and trios he had two guys who like worked well and he rotate guys in as a third guy i think that's what we're going to see a lot uh with marty st louis this year there you go uh Stu. by this time uh, next week We'll be chatting. Talking about real games. Yeah. Real game. It's so hard to believe. I can't believe it. I mean, and hey, uh, like I, I hope you got out there, or I hope you got out there today because uh, it's uh, it's gonna be a wet one tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was business weather. I played golf Thursday. Sorry, Wednesday, and it was twenty nine yeah. Celsius. It's like one of the hottest days I ever played golf, and it was October. I yeah, took my for a walk this morning. It was beautiful. I was, yeah, I know that. I think our, our run of uh, incredible summer, September, and October weather is coming to an end. I'm sadly, yeah, yeah. It, sadly, but hey, it, it was a good run. It made up for the crappy days we dealt with in July. Yeah, Stu, thank you much for doing this. All right, have a good weekend. That was Stu Cowan. I'm Matt O'Han. Just let's pull out that flyer one more time. Uh, so just as a reminder, tomorrow, uh, join us, the sick team, for a meet and greet with Tony Marinero. Tony is confirmed going to be there. I'm not on the poster. I'm assuming because I never confirmed if I would be there. If I would be there, I would be on the poster, right? Right, Sammy and Yellow? right? Um, celebrate the start of the hockey season with La Bita TV, the sick podcast and IGA Extra. We're proud to bring you the chance to meet Tony Marinaro tomorrow, October 7th, starting at 2 p.m. at 11800 Boulevard de, uh, Boulevard de Salaberry in DDO, right next to Marche de l'Ouest, uh, right across the street for the Civic from the Civic Center for those of you who have uh, kids playing hockey in that area. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.